The brothers wish. The brothers wish, brothers wish. The brothers wish. The brothers. You're now listening to Greg, it's the Brothers Wisps. Hey everybody, this is Greg with the Brothers Wisps, number 160. This is going to be a special one because I've been doing a lot of travel lately, kind of on and off. I got my dates all mixed up, so I forgot that we had a podcast tonight, which means I didn't line anybody else up. That is entirely on me, I apologize. So, this is going to be a Greg-heavy episode, and by Greg-heavy, I mean it's just going to be Greg. So, bear that in mind. So this go around, we don't have any new patrons and that's folks that go to patreon.com forward slash brothers wisps, throw us a couple bones, you get access to the patron only slack. Um, but we do have our sponsor. So brought to you by Sonar, a scalable, intuitive and comprehensive ISP billing and operational support system. Learn more at sonar.software. We also have towercoverage.com. Tower coverage is your RF propagation system to empower your network. Real-time data metrics enable your coverage area, reaching your customer base, and more. The industry's best RF propagation mapping system allows website integration for customer sign-up and pre-qualification. Use this data to scientifically plan network expansion and help your WIS succeed. Get a free trial today at towercoverage.com. <coughs> so, I only have a few things on the list today. A couple of them are hardware-related. One of them is... Um, kind of more thought-provoking. So I'm going to start out with the hardware-related, and that is the Magic SFP, uh, solving the last mile bandwidth issue. So what it is is an SFP. It's kind of interesting. I dug in a little bit. It's the uh, it's made by a company called MDS Link. When you go to their website or even the marketing on uh, the website on here on the show notes, it shows uh, kind of a nice hardened metal cage. Uh, like it looks like a standard SFP, but on the end of it, instead of an optic, it's actually got a coax connection. So really this is kind of a Mocha solution. I think it's Mocha 2.5 is what it supports. They say you can shove it into, uh, you know, a 1 gig, a 2.5 gig uh, SFP port requires a little bit of extra power. Um, and uh, it basically acts as a Mocha bridge. So it's like an Ethernet bridge over coax. Right, so kind of like Ethernet over coax. In an example here, they're showing they're taking the uh, SFP, plugging into a switch. They have the internet connection going into a said switch. This then goes through a big coil of coax cable into a splitter. The splitter goes into a couple of different devices. One is, um, you know, a Magic SFP on the other side. It looks to be the exact same SFP on all sides. They just jam that into a Microtik device and they're streaming video off of that and then they have uh, uh, one of the other ports off the splitter going into <coughs> excuse me a ruckus access point uh, into the SFP slot on that and it looks like they're you know just doing Wi-Fi off of that or whatever so it appears to be a solution maybe like if you're in an MDU environment and it's already got coax it's pre-wired for that but nothing else maybe you could use this kind of uh, thing in there. It looks like the retail price is coming in at about 125 bucks per one of these SFPs. But remember, in every room, you've also have to uh, have a device that's going to be able to terminate this. <clears throat> They're showing it in, um, say, Microtix or whatnot, but they also show it going into just a standard uh, media converter, right? See, so, yeah, I guess you could use a cheap media converter, jam this into it, and then get an Ethernet port out. 
Um, in my MDU environments, I like to provide a wireless access, like as well as wired ports in all of the areas. So I would probably jam this into some kind of a microtech that's got wireless in there. I mean, it's easier if you're controlling uh, the entire uh, RF spectrum in your environment that you're going into. So it's interesting in concept. I'm not sure how many of these you can stick on kind of a uh, single network, if you will, like how many, how many you can split uh, on a single one. It doesn't really say one way or the other. A little bit light on details. They're basically saying that the upload and download are close to symmetrical on this. Uh, they're saying depending on what frequency it's centered on, you could do 500 foot to theoretically 1500 foot. I'm sure the modulation rate kits down and you're not going to get as much throughput. Um, so I don't know, 300 foot to, because they also say uh, challenge distributing bandwidth over the last 300 foot on the WAN side. So there's a little bit of discrepancy in here. Having said that, I was talking about uh, the cage design. It looks fine. Looks like it's a, basically a giant heat sink as well. And some of their pictures, like off the site, they're showing like 3D printed plastic cases on these things. So half the uh, half the uh, marketing stuff that they're actually showing is prototype uh, devices. So I'm assuming this is a fairly new product. Curious if any of you have played with this in any way. 125. I wonder if you bought these in in volume, which you could get that price down to. It's not the worst price in the world. It's certainly cheaper than retrofitting like a really old apartment complex, especially if it's multi-floor. Those get really tedious to try and maintain. Also, I wondered if you could put kind of a, a filter in place or maybe if this runs in lower enough frequency to where it's not going to interfere with anything else running over the line. Of course, if it's like an uh, like the local cable company that's on that wire, they're likely doing uh, digital cable, you know, internet over kind of those same frequencies you're going to attempt to use this thing on. So, I mean, your mileage may vary. Who's to say? I don't know. I'm sure it fits in somewhere. It's interesting. I always uh, am excited when I see uh, devices in interesting form factors like this SFP. I mean, I would give it a swing just to see what do. Maybe it uh, would be interesting to have a couple in your bag just in case. You could do some uh, interesting uh, problem solving just in case. So what else is on the docket for hardware? We also have the Unified Dreamwall. <laughs> They're saying we are freeing you. So Ubiquity is freeing us from the tyranny of the 19-inch uh, rack mount interface. You know, they... Uh, in their marketing, they go on to say that that was developed in 1922 as a, a standard for uh, Ma Bell to, uh, <laughs> to uh, I guess, save space. And uh, we have been um, trapped in that form factor ever since. And so now they are freeing us by mounting something flat to the wall, which isn't that, uh, that isn't that um, life-changing. I've done that sort of thing plenty of times. I'm sure most of the people... Uh, listening to this have as well, right? Like kind of a, a nice wall mount enclosure that's sort of flat, usually has a couple of uh, vertical slots for 19-inch rack mount stuff. Usually you're going to, what, stick a router in there? Or rather, uh, you probably put a switch in the back and then maybe a router in the front, something like that, to get all your infrastructure in. The Dreamwall, I didn't see anything about pricing, but it looks like it has wireless access built in. So it's a wireless AP on the top of it. It appears to have 
maybe a 24 port PoE switch. I couldn't really see how many ports were on there, or at least I didn't play it back and pause it to see how many were on there. It also has hard drives, so I'm guessing that's gonna be acting as an NVR as well. So you're gonna be able to uh, power your Unify stuff, right? Your wireless access points, as well as cameras, pull them in there to be kind of the, uh, the NVR piece. And I think it also has uh, battery cells that you can jam in the bottom, so it's got UPS protection on it. Uh, as well. Again, all I have on this thing is the YouTube link. So um, once more information pops up, it may be available. And I just didn't find it. Uh, but uh, another um, another interesting uh, product from Ubiquity and uh, specifically in the uh, Unify universe. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of all of your eggs in one basket there, which, you know, if you're uh, doing the Ubiquity Unify stuff, it kind of seems like that's the boat you're in anyway. So it may be interesting to some people. I don't know that it's necessarily what I'm looking for. But who's to say? Maybe the, the new cool uh, thing that comes out. <laughs> so the last thing I have here on my list <clears throat> is there were some recent court orders for every ISP in the U.S., to uh, block some very specific streaming sites. So it looks like there was a company, uh, who were they? The uh, Mosh Ettery, uh, he's a investor and uh, he uh, stuck it to uh, some of the credit card companies and said he's gonna you know, try and lock down people illegally streaming some of his infrastructure and in particular went after israel-tv.com, israel.tv and sdarot.tv with that last apparently being one of the uh, more popular uh, Israeli pirate streaming services with millions of visitors each month. So I'm assuming it's a pay service as well. So uh, obviously he uh, he wants that to to go down anyway. They brought it to court. Uh, obviously the plaintiffs never, uh, or rather the defendants. Yeah, it'd be the defendants, not the plaintiffs. I've watched enough, uh, uh, what, uh, Judge Judy. I should know this stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, defendants never showed up. So it just kind of went through. And the judge basically said that every ISP in the U.S. needs to block... Uh, these domains, as well as any domains that uh, this company happens to register in the future, right? Any new domains, and they all need to be redirected to this very specific website. They want you to do this by hijacking DNS. So I guess on your uh, resolvers, they want you to add this domain and forward it over to zira-usa11025.org, which is going to throw up a splash screen. This says this website is no longer available to to copyright infringement with some additional information. It's interesting to think that they could enforce this. Um, and I kind of don't like the idea of this, right? Because that's, you know, so many questions pop to mind, all right? It's like, well, you know, uh, okay, in my resolvers, I'll, you know, redirect those specific domains. Well, what about people that are doing security over DNS, you know, like new, um, the new technologies that are coming out where your browser will automatically secure the DNS communications, or what if they're going over a VPN? And also like, uh, you know, whenever they're coming up with new domain names, how are we supposed to track that, right? Who's gonna, who's gonna pay to have all of that done, right? Is somebody gonna 
start a service out there which tracks all these companies and all the domain names. And I mean, it is so fast, cheap, and easy to register a new domain name. Um, obviously, if you know they're pirating and they want to take money <clears throat> for said services, if they're constantly switching names, it's going to be hard to you know hang on to that stuff. But uh, really, you know, a simple VPN would bypass this. You know, it doesn't even have to be complex encryption. You know, if you just have a PPTP VPN to something, you know, any of the millions of VPN services that seem to exist out in the world, as long as you're VPN into something, you know, outside of the U.S. And uh, so these, uh, this supposed list of carriers, well, I think they had named like 98 or 100 major carriers in the U.S. And they said, oh, just because you weren't named in the list doesn't mean you're not um, excluded from this. You know, you, you also have to do it if you're operating in the U.S. So... It's just wacky, um, kind of all around. You know, I mean, we've sort of seen stuff like this. Somebody was talking on the um, Nanog list about how this is a civil case, right? And it's like, do they even really have the jurisdiction in a civil case to like tell every ISP in the U.S. to do this stuff? And it also kind of brings up the concept of um, undue burden, which I think was uh, a 1946 ruling. Let's see, I've got a Wikipedia link here. It says, in short, the undue burden standard states that a legislature cannot make a particular law that is too burdensome or restrictive of one's fundamental rights. Too burdensome. It just seems impossible, cat and mouse, to keep up with this stuff. And it also makes me wonder, is this going to be kind of the de facto for <laughs> all of these cases moving forward where the plaintiff just doesn't bother to show up? They're just going to try and blanket, tell everybody to block this stuff? I don't know. It's wacky. Everybody I've talked to so far has basically said, uh, you know, it's like, hey, what are you doing about this? The answer is nothing. I'm just ignoring it until, you know, either I'm forced to, I get something specific to me that says I need to, or, uh, you know, we see some, um, some more clear wording, right? Something out there that actually says we really need to do this. To me, it just seems more like um, FUD campaign, you know, fear, uncertainty, doubt, trying to uh, scare people, which I'm not advocating for piracy. Uh, you know, I, I, that's, not, that's not the route I'm going. I'm not saying that it should exist and we definitely need to do it and all blah, 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 and rah, rah, rah. I'm just saying um, it sounds like it would take a lot of time and energy to put this in place. You know, like what technologies are ISPs expected to uh, maintain to take care of all this. Are we going to have to do like deep packet inspections, start like digging through all this stuff? You know, it's just, it just seems a little bit uh, wacky wild to try and uh, enforce this stuff. You know, I don't know. That's just me. That's just my opinion. That's just uh, my thinking on the subject, as it were. I'd be curious to see uh, what fallout happens from this, if any, right? Probably nothing. Most likely, I would assume nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's at this point that I'm going to tell you that I have exhausted my list, so I plan to just have a stream of consciousness for a moment, and uh, we'll sort of see where everything goes. I have recently been doing some travel, so I was in Dallas for a week, and then I was at home for a week, then I was in Denver for a week. Although I got to bring my wife with me for a little bit of that. So some of that was play. It wasn't all work. Right? We had a good time. Uh, Denver's got a lot of cool people. It was really cold. 
Uh, they were like, wow, it's such a beautiful spring day while I'm over here freezing. It's ridiculous. You people are strange. Anyway, then I was at week, I was a, a week at home again. And then uh, it was a week in Argentina. I went to Buenos Aires, BA. I was lucky enough to fly business class, which means I had a lay flat seat. And the fun part about a lay flat seat is your feet kind of funnel at the end. So it does truly lay flat. Your feet funnel at the end and me being 6'3 with size 14 shoes, I still didn't really fit. So that was uh, enjoyable. I learned if I take my shoes off, I can kind of turn my feet in a little bit. But basically, I was, uh, what was it? I was, uh, I was rolling around like a rotisserie chicken. So I, uh, I figured out like I could turn sideways. I could then turn back after like I got gotten too comfortable for too long. But I eventually learned to sleep, which was uh, really nice because some of the folks going with me just went to economy and they didn't sleep a wink on that 10 and a half hour flight. So I uh, definitely uh, enjoyed the business class travel. But once we got there, it was a pretty cool place. I learned a lot. Interesting culture. Um, the company I was... Uh, going down there and visiting. Uh, most of the people interact in English with other uh, other folks fairly regularly. So the English was really good, which is amazing because my Spanish is really terrible. So we got by Google Translate's your friend. It's got the uh, Google Translate app where you can hold it up over text and it will translate in line. So it'll kind of blur out the text that was there and then put it in English. And uh, there were some fun translations. I remember we were at a pizza place and one of the pizzas... Uh, translated to i think mexican bastard <laughs> i'm not sure uh what that pizza consisted of i just know that was the name of it but their pizza was really buttery there delicious delicious i mean i could feel my arteries clogging it's delicious the desserts were really good um everybody kept saying you know eat the meat eat the steak eat the steak and we eventually went to some steak place and uh i'm not a steak guy like i've Somehow or another, I've lost my taste for steak. And so I, I tried a little bit. We did it kind of family style. We got a bunch of stuff and went around. And uh, it was maybe okay, but man, I just I did not enjoy it. Uh, all the other stuff, do Everything else I ate there, I really enjoyed. So that's no knock against it. I think it's just, it's not for me, right? It's like I've, I've kind of lost my taste for that. But uh, overall, it was a good experience. I really enjoy doing that stuff. I love enablement. So it was two days of education, three days of hackathon, and then uh, we jumped a plane and came back. Looks like at some point in the future, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'll be doing it in Malaysia. I'm going to Kuala Lumpur, which is an even longer flight. So I really hope I get business class for that one as well, because uh, otherwise I'm going to recommend somebody else goes because <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can handle being cramped up in there. Uh, for that long of a flight. I did it to Australia and I don't want to do it ever again uh, if I can possibly help it. Let's see, do I know anything else going on kind of in the IT world? I've been doing more automations uh, as per the usual. Nothing too terribly interesting lately. It's mostly been uh, around kind of configuration as code. The idea that where you like... Um, not necessarily on the network side, it can be on the network side, but you have all of your configurations sort of over here and uh, you're defining what the state looks like and you're pushing that into various devices or systems. So I've been doing a lot more of that. And I think I will continue doing more of that, more ServiceNow sort of work. I really wish, if there are any ServiceNow developers on here, 
would love to pay you to do some custom integrations for me. I just, I am not a ServiceNow developer, nor will I ever be. So uh, if you are, or you uh, have somebody that's go-to for you, give me a shout. I'm willing to pay somebody to, uh, to make some stuff happen. I want to do basically configuration as code. So in ServiceNow, it's an ITSM. It's kind of like, uh, it could be your ticket system, your problem system, as well as you can have users go in there and order stuff. You know, they can order like hardware or whatever. One of the cool things is they have a service catalog that you can add items to and they can order something like build me a virtual machine or, you know, add this firewall rule. So really what you're doing is you're having them fill in forms, clicking submit. They have a really good approval system in there, right? You can go to some other person in the organization or their group. They'll approve it. And then it calls uh, your automation. So for me, I'm calling the Ansible Automation Platform over the API, fires that off, and then I perform some kind of automation. But um, there's several kind of steps you have to do inside of ServiceNow. You have to create the ServiceNow uh, catalog item. You have to create a workflow as well, right? So the catalog item is going to refer to the workflow. Then the workflow will refer to a REST, you know, because it's making a RESTful API call, a REST section, right, where you've got kind of all of the stuff sort of built out. And really all you're doing is you're collecting a bunch of variables and you're passing them over. And then uh, from there, it's sort of standardized, but those three steps have to be customized per um, service catalog item that you want. Like the underlying system where it connects to AAP, you know, the Ansible Monitor Platform, that's standardized, it's the same every time, but um, those first three, you have to kind of re reinvent the wheel every single time. I mean, it's copy and paste, but it's still tedious. So I'd love to have a Git repository where I just build little template files, you know, copy and paste, boom, jam those out really fast. And then I have my automation take that and then shove it into ServiceNow. So it creates those catalog items. So if I want to make an adjustment to a service catalog item. I want to add an extra field. I just go to my Git repository. I update the template file, create that extra little thing, and then uh, tell the automation to push it and wipe my hands and walk away, right? Go eat a sandwich. Um, so I'd love to be able to do that, but also just to create them from scratch. It would be so much faster, so much easier to do it that way as well, right? To just copy and paste the template make a quick uh, adjustment here or there, and then have the automation push that. Oh man, that would be a dream. So I would love to uh, have somebody kind of help me flesh out that piece because I've done like incidents and problems and written to their CMDB, the configuration management database, where you basically keep a list of your hosts and all that kind of stuff in there. So I've reading and written to all those things. Well, that's through some Ansible modules that make it really easy, right? In this other case, I would need to be going like straight into the uh, ServiceNow API, I guess, probably in specific ways. And they're actually, ServiceNow just tweaked their API, that, which makes it even more difficult to like change things. So they made it like so that you can't through the API change status on incidents and stuff like that, it's, which is bonkers, insane. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, you should be able to permission-wise change that stuff in the system, right? Why why whole hog blanket remove it? Seems ridiculous. So it breaks a lot of people's workflows, you know? Um, annoying, but there it is. Um, so I'm curious if you would still be able to like create these other items or modify them, right? Like have they tweaked that out of existence? I don't know. Hmm. 
curiosity. Anyway, if you have any extra information on that, I would love to hear it. So I believe kind of that's all I've got going. I've just been um, traveling or prepping for customer calls or being on customer calls. So I've just been really busy. It looks like travel is going to stop for a while for me. Thank goodness. I, uh, I don't want to get burned out. I am not saying I'm there, but I can see it. I can see it a little off in the distance. So I want to kind of head that off of the past. Luckily, you know, our, our people are great and you know, I could just say, Hey, let me uh, not travel for a minute and I won't have to travel for a minute. So that's good. So I can catch my breath, which is really nice. Whew. All right. Well, I guess that, uh, that's probably enough stream of consciousness because I really don't think people find this very interesting. So I'll go ahead and cut it short. Uh, if you guys want to have any specific guests, uh, please let me know. And since I won't be going all over the place, like uh, a crazy amount, I should be able to keep everything together and actually get some of this stuff coordinated right now. Uh, yeah. Any questions, comments, any of that good stuff, you can fire them off to uh, greg at gregsoul.com or contact us at thebrotherswist.com. It all comes to me anyway. It's all the same. Uh, I also blog regularly at uh, gregsoul.com. Pop in there. I uh, have another podcast where I talk to interesting people, trying to trace paths to where they've been. It's called Why Am I? So ymipod.com if you are interested in that, which you may or may not be, but hey. You put that stuff out in the universe, we'll see if it comes back. Thank you for listening. I know this was a, a short one, but maybe short is better. Maybe you guys get tired of talking to us, or rather listening to us talk to you, or to each other, whatever it happens to be. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.